0: That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Columbia, Columbia. <laughs>
1: What is going on, folks? And welcome to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. A very special episode. Uh, a game-winning episode, if you may say. Uh, I'm your host, as always, Kyle Madgio, joined by my co-host, Sean Geddes. Uh, Mike Cortez is a working man right now. And that is why he's not on this podcast. Because we are doing a special early edition. It's not his fault. He would love to be here. Uh, shouting the praises of one Rowan alexander Bear Jr. But, you know, we will do that for him on here. So, Sean... What is going on, man? How are you feeling on this glorious morning?
0: Man, I feel great. Like, honestly, this is one of the best, like, days I've had, like, in a while. Just the start it, got off to, you know, waking up, watching the clip immediately, just on repeat, on a loop, through the tears in my eyes as I knew that I would. Um, everybody's in good spirits. Like, all oh, the next Twitter is happy. Everybody's getting along and agreeing. There's no, like, you know, anger. Um, I went and watched the post game uh, interviews this morning. Just like you know, just very refreshed. Uh, we really got a game winner from our very own Star J Barrett on national TV in the Garden last night at the buzzer. Like I, I, I couldn't possibly feel any better than this. How are you feeling? Uh, I, I feel real good, man. Because so I, I felt like yesterday, and I
1: didn't think it was gonna be. I knew Fournier was going to play well because it's the Celtics. I didn't think we, you know, he would be the the main catalyst in hitting all of the threes, but I was feeling like they were finally going to, as a team, make threes. That was my pregame prediction. I was just like, hey, I think they win, and I think it's just because they're making threes as a team. Like, they've been missing everything for, like, the last week and a half, two weeks. So, like, at some point, shots have to go in. Like, I, everybody's having a down year. I get it. But at some point, there's got to be some sort of positive regression. So – I was expecting more threes, and we got all of them from the one guy that we bullied into oblivion, uh, Evan Fournier. So, you know that was that was fun to see. Look, we we're hard on guys, especially when they're the second highest paid player on the team. And you come in here for a four year deal, and then you have a lot of the offense run through you, and you're stinking it up on all the games that aren't against the Celtics. So, it, it's nice to see him explode every time he plays the Celtics. I just wish he would do even half of this against any of the teams that play in the NBA, not named the Celtics. But aside from that, um, I thought the first half was really gross and disappointing. Um, I, another clusterfuck of a, of a scheme where we didn't really know what was going on, basically. But the uh, second half, they had a lot of fight in them. And, and they had been fighting. They closed out the first half. They had a little run. But then to start the second half, they allowed the Celtics to go on a run, almost get that thing back to 20 And then they just knuckled up from there on out. Uh, Julius stepped up big. Fournier just kept hitting shots consistently, which is obviously the main thing for him is consistency. And uh, quickly played really good. I thought Mitch was was really, really good. Um, The only thing that stunk throughout the game was Bob Williams having uh, R.J. Barrett in jail. Uh, R.J. just kept, for some reason, trying to throw up flat-footed floaters and and things right next to him, and it was really a a disgusting display of of awareness on RJ's attempt for a while. But going into the late third, into the fourth quarter, he seemed to adjust real well, started passing a lot more, started hitting 48 for a lot of the the threes that he was drilling. Uh, So the playmaking chops were rare. Uh, And then Rambo just finally decided he was going to win the bully ball battle. Uh, He just took everything into the paint. Got right to the rim. Didn't really matter who was on him. Grant Williams, uh, Bob Williams, anybody. He was just taking it, head down, pump fake. I'm just going to power through because I'm Julius Randle. And, you know, I know fans get annoyed a little bit with the mid-range thing um, and some of those attempts. But it's good to see Julius work inside out a little bit more. Um, You know, you want to see that because that's the whole reason that he's Julius is that he can. Beat you down low. He could also step out and beat you with the with the jumpers and things like that. So seeing him, all right, I don't got the jumper working in the first half. I'm just going to take it, in, you know, put my hard hat on, get inside the paint, make some shit happen, get some man ones And, I mean, he was fired up, man. He was fired up getting the and ones getting those tough finishes. I mean, he, he was real excited. We'll, we'll talk more about the thumbs down and, and his post-game reaction uh, in a bit. But uh, I just thought that's what you wanted to see. And then I think the rest of the team just kind of kept feeding off of that on both ends of the floor. And, it, it was just a a spirited effort, and we haven't had many of those this season. And seeing them finally find just find a way to get back into a game that they were really out of for most of it uh, was encouraging, especially for a team that needs to get back over 500, back over this hump and start playing some inspired winning basketball. So we've said it before, but hopefully this is the starting point of some cohesiveness because for a while, for most of these games this season, it's felt like they're playing with each other for the first time every game. And last night in that second half, especially about mid-third quarter through the rest of the game, it looked like they were actually playing with the purpose, playing really together. And, you know, that's kind of the brand of basketball we got used to seeing in the second half of last season. So I'm hoping, praying, that this is the start of something final.
0: Yeah, no, like, you sums it all up very well. And I just – we have to be very loud about it. Evan Fournier was fantastic last night. I mean, and, you know, some – yeah, it's only against the Celtics. All, all that, all that aside, though, it's like we went into last night's game. I know in pregame prayers all over the timeline. All of us are really excited. This is a big game. This is a big point in the season. It's back to back in itself is big. Um, you know, so that was an, a really big game on national TV back in the garden, trying to build some momentum. We needed something last night and we didn't have a lot. And Evan Fournier kept us in that game. He kept us afloat. You know, we were down by 25, we were getting killed. We couldn't score rj couldn't get anything to go he was getting a shot thrown around by rob uh, rob williams julius didn't really have it going that early then picked it up a little bit but evan really carried us and you know even if only for that one i mean hopefully he does it again on saturday since it's the celtics again and then hopefully at some point you know i would hope after that pride kicks in you know like uh they were doing his post-game interview on the court last night and the last thing she said to him was um if only you could play the celtics every game right Like you shouldn't want people to say that to you, like as a professional basketball player, as especially considering we don't play them anymore after tomorrow. So like you shouldn't want that to be a narrative. You shouldn't want that to be a thing. Like hopefully he can start to not know it won't be 40 points every night, but, you know, let's go out there and be just be a consistent guy for the offense. Be someone we can depend on and play like you care. Like I'm telling you, he was getting switched on to Tatum and no, he didn't lock him down, but like he held his own. And I feel like we gave that switch up way too easily. Honestly, I was like, okay, we can't keep letting them get that switch with a rub screen. But I mean, he didn't get torched. So it's like, if you can hold your own on Tatum in the fourth quarter in crunch time, you should be able to guard anybody on the Detroit Pistons in the second quarter. Like, I'm sorry. It, it, we shouldn't have to deal with certain things. There shouldn't be certain issues. He grabbed eight boards last night in the previous 93 minutes he played before that. He had five rebounds. He's averaging like under three rebounds this season. Like, do those things more often just not know you're not going to drop 40 every night but play like you care on a nightly basis and i like i really have no agenda against evan fornia i don't i know you don't we don't care you don't believe he's a good basketball player but you even you apologized early this season people if may forget play, about if it if, you play,
1: if you're playing well that's all that i want everybody forgets that everybody acts like i have a permanent agenda even with the frank shit i don't have permanent agendas if you just keep stinking it up i have I, we run the Knicks wall. We have a podcast. We have a show. We have to talk about when guys don't play well. You've gotten up here and talked about when Julius isn't playing well. We've gotten up here. We talked about when RJ isn't playing well. We've gotten up here and talked about when Obi or Quickly or any of these guys don't play well. This is our job. We show up here and we talk about what we're seeing on the screen. It, does, it brings me no joy to get up here and talk about any Nick stinking it up. Last year, remember no. when everybody was playing well, except for Alfred, right? I didn't even want to talk about Alfred because I was like, look, bro, we're winning games. Everything's going good. I just want to focus on the good shit right now because there's so much of it. Even to start this season, I was downplaying it because I was like, bro, like, I still want to believe that, you know, part of that identity from last season is here. We have no... I don't wish guys to do bad. You don't wish guys to do bad. But if you are only doing bad and, like, for example, we mentioned about only playing the Celtics, he's averaging 35 points on 55.6% shooting with almost seven made threes against the Celtics. Okay? Just, like... Like, sliders all the way up, disgusting (laughs) numbers that you can't even – like, he had 41 last night. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's – it's extreme because then in the games, like, 35 games, he hasn't played the Celtics, right? All the other teams in the NBA. And mind you, remember, he has 15 out of 39 games now where he scored at single digits. So in these all all these other games against the Celtics – not against the Celtics, 11.6 points, he's shooting 40% from the field with two made threes. It's not going to get it done. It's not going to get it done. We're not saying you even got to average 17, 18 like last year, but, like, you should be averaging a pretty decent 15 making your threes. Like, we know the defense stinks. He played better in the second half last uh, last night because in the first half, a bunch of open threes he allowed. He was still getting dog walked to the rim. Guys were walking right past him. Mitch saved him a couple of times, but he wasn't playing great in the first half. But I didn't care because he was hitting all of his shots, and that's what all I can really expect out of him. I don't expect the defense. But, yes, when he tightened up in the second half, it shows you, like, oh, you can do some of that stuff if you're just actually giving the right effort. Like, if you're giving the right effort all game, then we're not going to have any problems. You're going to get toasted sometimes. You're going to get burned sometimes, especially him. He's slow as shit. But if you're giving the right effort, you will play a little bit better. Like, and that's all that we want, effort. This is a Tibbs team. There's not a lot of, like, offensive schematics, as we've seen. He he rides a lot of hot hands. Looks like, what you got to do is just play well – and at a high energy level, and then things typically will go a little bit better for you. And if you don't do that, there's not a real in-depth system, a real big flow on offense to help you. So, you know, you almost got to save yourself sometimes. This is what you signed up for. I don't feel bad about the whole, oh, we're not running 100% of the plays that make him effective. Well, yeah, because he's not the star of the show anymore like he was in Orlando. This is the same shit like in Boston. They weren't running a, a thousand things for him to get right. They're like, hey, hey, man, this is Tatum and Brown's team. Sit in the fucking corner, sit off to the side, and make your shots when you get the ball. That's your job now. You're a role player. Same thing here. Mm-hmm. You're not the star of the show. Sit off to the – make your shots when you're open, and nobody cares. That's it. Play your role. You signed up to play a role. You have to learn how to play it and be successful. So hopefully – he look, he needed a big game. I didn't think he was going to have oh, a 40-point career night game, but he needed a big game. So hopefully he – like you can't only do this against the celtics it's not possible you got to get hot against some other teams sometimes and he hasn't done that against almost anybody this season so i'm hoping man. there's no agendas we're not trying to bully him and make him look bad he's made himself look bad this season we're just trying to hope and pray that this is going to continue and he's going to look a little bit better because it was a lot of fun last night you make 10 threes in, in one night it's a lot of fun uh, we're, we're not going to shit on him for that i mean it's, a, it's an amazing feat what he had last night
0: amazing he was phenomenal and it was you know i'm typing out uh evan with the three for the e it feels good like i i would like to do that more often i don't have you know so um yeah but evan julius was really really good um and he was really aggressive and every time i see something like that i just hope that it that they see it too like the complexion of the game changed when julius started attacking that way and it wasn't anything he couldn't have been doing the whole night you know like And he makes it like, you know, he gets his mid range, um, you know, when he's able to get into the paint like that. Now you're the closeouts won't be as aggressive. Like, you know, he's creating space. He's making the defense converge. It just has such an impact on the game. He was he was bowling. like He bowled over Grant Williams and knocked him into Robert Williams and took the two of them out while he was going up. That was beautiful. He got down low and got the like the reverse layup and one, you know, um, and that, that energy and that physicality was huge for us. And he's capable of being that player every night. And that's so, you know, in, in the same, not, not to the same degree with Evan, like, but it, we see what Evan can do more often. But with Julius, with those, there's nothing that Julius did in that stretch where he was taking a game over that he can't do every night against really any. Robert Williams is one of the better paint protect. He had like seven blocks last night. So if we can get physical and go to the basket against him, who can't we get physical and go to the basket again? like, let's do that more often attack, attack, be in attack mode and let the rest of the game figure itself out around that. And I feel like sometimes a Julius, uh, you know, he tries to figure out the rest of the game around being, I mean, he tries to figure out being in attack mode around the rest of the game rather than the opposite way around. Like, Attack and everything else will fall into place. It'll open up other things. You'll be more in rhythm. You'll be fired up. The crowd's involved. And that attacking nature he had offensively just leads to him having more energy and effort defensively as well. Like, we we need that. We need that defense that we play in the second half. We need the intensity we play with in the second half. But we need to play with it for 48 minutes. And we need to play with it on a nightly basis. Of course, you're going to have a couple games where you come out a little sluggish or a little slow. But that shouldn't be the norm. It wasn't the norm last year. Like, last year, if we had a game we came out sluggish or slow, we weren't even that upset because it was like, all right, that's, that's one sluggish or slow game out of, like, you know, 10 games. Like, we just we're, – we're coming out hard every night. Like, guys are giving everything they got. Tonight, we just didn't have it. We have way too many tonight we just didn't have it games. We can't keep having tonight we just didn't have it games. We don't have time for that anymore. So, you know, I really hope that the guys really paid attention to that last night, and I hope that it inspired them because, yeah, we came back from 25 down National television in the garden against division rival. Like, um, it's the biggest comeback since, what, the, the Minnesota, uh, Milwaukee comeback, the 26-point comeback that gets referenced every time a comeback comes up. I was looking back on the timeline. I don't see the timeline as much when I'm tweeting the games because I'm, like, just super locked right. in. But, you know, I was seeing a bunch of people saying, you know, oh, another fake comeback. Like, we have plenty of fake comebacks, and we got a real one yesterday. Ended by a game-winning buzzer beater on TNT. Like, let's let this moment really spark something and, you know, and, that, like, let's let's keep the positivity going as well. Like, I don't know. I just feel like people are, you know, d- d- people were in the mentions while I was tweeting the game last night. Like, oh, Julius is the worst, blah, 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 trading him. And I'm just like, bro, like, I don't know. A- I don't
1: think that. <laughs> so, so on that note, okay, so on that note, I was going to wait a little bit more for the Julius segment, but we got to talk about, so he, he did a thumbs down yesterday and then during the game after one of the buckets, right? And it was to the garden crowd. And he said something to them. And then uh, in post game, when he got asked what he said, uh, for, and before I even say it, everybody want, loves, loves right? Everybody claims they love when, fan, uh, when players are honest. Oh, man, you know, I'm tired of these guys giving us the same answers and bullshitting us. You know, we want transparent players. We want transparent answers. We want honest answers. And then you get an honest answer last night. Remember, this is big, bad, t- tough New York, right? All The, the tough fans, toughest fans, right? Hey, the toughest area. You know, you got you to gotta be tough to play in New York uh we, we are like the fling poo of guys anytime we got a star player this goes back to patrick you carmelo anthony anytime we got a star player and one thing goes wrong small little bit of, uh the adversity suddenly we're, we're at like you just said a guy misses a free throw in an otherwise great night and all of a sudden oh my god trade this guy this guy stinks i can't but this has been every night with him you know we nobody says anything when he has the good good games he hasn't been bad every game this season it's been more like he has a really good game. Then he has a, a mad game. Then he, he just a really came off of 30
0: and 16,
1: and they're saying trade him today. It's crazy. And it's crazy. But this goes back, you know, so my point is, when he got asked about it in the press conference, about the thumbs down, what he said, he said, I told him to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just had a really good game. You had maybe a tough first half, and then you played a, a phenomenal game the rest of the way. I mean, yeah. If, if, you know, my big thing with the Julius stuff this year, and I know you spoke to this a little bit more in your post game shows and things like that, but it's fine to critique, but there's like a level of hatred that some guys get. That's just like way too extreme. You know, if you read some of the comments on Instagram, to his post uh, or anytime the Knicks post something about him recently, it's a lot of nasty stuff and it's not just basketball stuff. It's a lot of, he's lazy. He's a bum. He's this, you know, things that get said about his family. It's like, I I don't know why. It's gross. Yeah, I don't know why things get too far and then people act like there's no human element to this. Like these guys are just robots. They don't see this stuff. They do see this stuff. And if they're playing really well and you've been excessively mean, they're going to have something to say. It's that simple. And if, you, if you're a real New Yorker, if you're a real tough guy, everybody loves, loves to tout that until it's time to be tough, then you don't really bat an eye when Julius tells you to shut the fuck up. That's a normal response that you should be hearing in the city every single day that you live there. You should be here. That's a normal conversation. Someone tells you, shut the fuck up. All right, right, we'll fuck off. And then you just move on. You, ch- you change. That's it. Like that, that's a, that's a normal combo. And, and then well, all of a sudden we're going to act like boomers. <gasps> he said, shut the fuck up. Oh my God. I've never, are, are we every other fan base in the NBA or are we New Yorkers? I mean, which one is it? Uh, are we just saying that that we're the toughest fans and then we're not, I, I, I would just like for us to have an edge of like, you know, we're supposed to be the smartest fan base, the toughest fans. And then, uh, Seems like too often lately, we don't seem to be the smartest or the toughest. So, you know, if you want to be that as a Knicks fan, then be that. If not, then, you know, shut the fuck up. Because this goes, like I said about the, even the Patrick Ewing thing, you know, he's quoted as saying, for example, with Knicks fans, they're annoying me. This is a while ago, right? If they're going to act that way, they might as well stay home. If you're going to support us, then support us. If you go other places, even when the team is playing bad, the fans still support them. Here, they support you one minute. And then when something goes wrong, they jump off the bandwagon and I'm tired of it. It's been like that for 12 years, 12 years. I'm fed up. Melo had similar sentiments too. You know, it's just like, there needs to be some sort of contextualization to, there's only so much one player can do in a five on five game and certain struggles don't always fall back onto one guy in a team game. Like you, you could be struggling a little bit. He's, you know, he was shooting a career low this year for sure, for sure. But also, Fournier plays big minutes with him, hasn't helped him at all. We know about RJ Struggle, too. It was really a collective starting group effort, but only one guy was getting singled out for big-time boobs. From the garden crowd, the same crowd that last year was showering him with MVP praise and and chants, and, you know, he could do no wrong. Now, this season, you know, he's playing a little bit bad. And remember, we're not even all that much off of the pace that we were off of this point last year. We were pretty much a 500 team the entire season, and we had one nine-game winning streak, and then we were the four seed. Everybody – I don't know what this revisionist history is all the time, but that was the reality. So this year he's playing a little bit worse. There's still a 500 team. This is exactly like how last year was going. It's just the vibes are different now. It's not as fun because now you have expectations. Last year there was none. So people got to just really relax a little bit. It's okay to point out guys are struggling, not playing well, but, like, the level of which it gets to with Randall and then the level of which people – don't want to hear anything from him when he finally responds is a little bit hilarious to me for what is supposed to be the toughest fans in the NBA.
0: Exactly. You said that perfectly. Like, and down to being the toughest and the smartest. I mean, I, when I heard about Randall's comment, I, I loved it, honestly. Like, I mean, especially cause I heard in the second quarter, he was like getting boot. There was a play where he got hit on the hand and he thought he got fouled. And he didn't get the call. I remember when, when that shot went up and it was like, yo, he looked like he got hit. So, I mean, people started booing him after that shot. And it's just like, really? That's what y'all were on? Um, So, yeah, I mean, if you're booing me in the second quarter like that after I had a great game last night, last time you were here and you were going crazy, and now you're in here booing me and then I start going crazy in the second half, yeah, shut the fuck up. Like, sure. Um, And hopefully people are able to, you know, have a thick skin and not be childish about it. Um, You know, some people are going to react the way they're going to react because they just want a reason to hate. But um, I, I like that response. You can't really, you can't berate somebody and then be upset when they turn around and say something back to you. Like, you've you've been saying a lot, a, a, excessively. Like I said, they've been killing Julius. Like, and, you know, like I, I myself have been calling him out when necessary and holding him accountable for things, but they've been really overdoing it. So, I mean, yeah, if he told you to shut the, yeah, go for it. I just hope that, you know, that energy doesn't stick around. I hope that, you know, people respond well and you know, understand and really look at themselves like, yeah, okay, we were talking crazy. Like, and maybe, you know I mean? And it won't happen overnight, but hopefully we can go into the smarter fan base part and like really be consistent supporters or just, you know, be more understanding. But yeah, these guys are people. So yeah, you're in his Instagram comments, like talking about his family. That's insane based on like what's happening on the court. Like there's, there's nothing that Julius could be doing on the court that could cause me to talk about his family. I can't even imagine it. So it's just like you know, people really have to cut that out and um, you know stop representing such a large part of the fan base. Like I really I said it after you know during the part we were losing after the OKC game. I was like, you know, I really hate sharing the fan base with some of y'all. And you know, not you guys who listen to TKW because you're intelligent people, clearly, but like you know, just some people really make they they make the rest of us look bad. And I don't want that to be a thing. I don't want it to be a back and forth. It's like, this shouldn't be a brewing battle now between Julius and the fans. Like, let's all just get on the same page. It's a very important part in the season. They need all the support they can get from us. We they need all the energy they can get from us. And, you know, they can like, let's get, let's give out positive to them and hope we get it back. Like, you know, let's get like, I I love when we were all, you know, I love the support we gave him. I love the love we gave him last year. I love, like everything was beautiful it was a beautiful matrimony between julius in new york and the team in new york so the, the fact that it's reached the point where he's putting thumbs down telling us that up says a lot about what the fans have done so i mean how do you think he feels julius didn't ever do that during season one and he was getting killed all of us literally everybody was killing Julius, and he never lashed out or said anything us. so it's like i mean for him to be at this point imagine how he feels so, I mean, yeah, people, but people don't consider that. Cause like you said, they don't consider the fact that these people are human and people are fake tough and they like to throw rocks and hide their heads.
1: Especially to, you know, he just extended here long-term, you know, that doesn't even kick in until next year. I mean, we got five more years with Julius. Right. And people are forgetting that, like that, the extension starts next year. And you gotta, you gotta remember that too in the full context is he's going to be here a while, hopefully. And, we're talking about a 40-game period where he's playing kind of at least – I mean, I wouldn't say his worst ball. I would say in, in totality, 2019 was worse for the Fisdale part because once he got under Mike Miller, he actually was playing extremely well. But I think the Fisdale part was probably the worst New York part of his career. But this is more just he wasn't shooting the ball well. And, and I think in terms of, like, the extreme stuff, it's not just always, like, the comments. For example, you mentioned against Indy, he had, you know, the 30-point game, real big game, right, ton of rebounds. And I see a thread on Twitter talking about, despite, the remember, he had 13 potential assists in that game, too. He he only finished with four. He had 13 potential assists because nobody's hitting jumpers, right? And then I see a a little thread on Twitter about questioning his decision-making. And I was a little bit confused. He had zero turnovers in that game. He had zero turnovers last night. And you're talking about, a couple of them were clips about, like, pretty much end-of-shot clock possessions, right? And and it's nitpicking. So are are we watching the game in, in the context of a full game? and a a game played well, or are we watching to wait for a couple of small moments we don't like so we can go, yeah, confirmation bias. There it is again. He's stinking it up. And I think that's sort of part of his frustrations too. It's like, damn, bro. Like people treat him like he's selfish. Like he's always chucking. I I hear about ISO Julius more than ISO Julius even happens, you know, taking, if he takes a mid range jumper, immediately it's ISO Julius. Doesn't matter if he was dribbling for, for, Five seconds, doesn't matter if he's dribbling once and, and then takes the jumper. Mid-range equals ISO Julius. Oh, my God, disgusting basketball. Get this guy off the team, Or he, he throws a kickout pass. It wasn't to the right guy. And Now we got to make a little threat on it because it was a, what a poor decision. But we're not going to look at the 13 potential assists, the four actual assists, the wide open guys he sets up every single night this season, pretty much the entire season. Nobody's shooting the ball well. A lot of guys are shooting career lows. Is that Julius Randle's fault? I mean, his own jumpers, yeah, of course. He's got to make shots, of course. Everybody else, he's the main cog. He's setting these guys up. If they're not hitting jumpers, what do you want them to do? The difference between last year and this year was last year, a bunch of guys were hitting almost 40%. This year, not a bunch of guys are hitting 40%. Our offense is struggling. We shoot a lot of threes. It's the same attack as last year. It's not rocket science sometimes.
0: Shooting so, even more threes. Shooting even more threes.
1: So if you're... less. So, yeah, if, if you're just waiting for him to have a turnover or throw a pass you didn't like so you can make a little threat about it. Like, that's kind of part of the issue, too. Watch – every, you know, you said this on the last pod, Sean, but everybody's so stuck in, like, this play just happened. I got to react to this play. This guy fucking sucks. Watch – if you notice, like, last night I was tweeting a lot because it was a national TV game, got excited, right? I don't tweet a lot during the games anymore. I can't do it because everybody just wants to react to stuff. Everybody just wants to be upset about something or, or I saw something that was the correct move and I got to yell about it. This is why this guy stinks and I got to prove it. You know, just watch like five or six possessions in a row before you say something. Watch like half a quarter before you say something. Uh, I feel like that will solve most people's problems. Like actually watch the game of basketball so that you could watch it with your eyes instead of watching so you could tweet something. That will help you because I feel like fans are so rabid right now with the expectations that they have and not getting them. that It's like warping what we're watching a lot of times. Again, it's fair to critique like you have, like I have with certain guys but the level it's always one guy's the problem every every day one, one guy's the main problem i can't stand this guy he's got to go we can't it can't be this way like certain guys have really been a problem all year like again I'm not trying to bring in the 48 parade but he really has been a big problem this year in the not celtics games right which is most of the games so yes on both sides of the ball when you play the second most minutes on the team especially with the start, starting group that's a big problem we got to talk about it but like when the main guy in the team is more or less doing the shit that he did last year. He's just shooting the ball worse. Like, all right. Like you got to learn how to contextualize and like not be such a angry person about it. Every single time he gets the ball, he, sh- he misses one, one shot and then the booze start to rain down. This guy's, he just wanted to be here five more, four more years. Right. And how do you think he feels? He's just missing a couple more shots this year than he would have last year. And he's getting booed every time. Like that's not, That's not what you want for a guy who at the end of that deal could be here, you know, seven years, you know, that's a long time to choose and want to be here and play for this team and want to win with this team. So just really like, just think a little bit, just learn how to like watch basketball better and be a better fan. That's all that we're saying. That's not, and again, doesn't mean blind support, but like, Just think like critical thinking skills are very important. And I implore you to like find them, buy them where you can get them, where they're available. But like somehow you need to acquire these. If you're going to watch the game of basketball, I want to talk about it all the time. That's all. I I had no issue with it. I I really didn't. I I think it's overblown. The only place I'm really seeing play it up is the post. And the post is always going to be the post because that's what the post is. The New York post will always be the New York post to do the sensationalist stuff. This has always happened. I don't bat an eye at it. I don't even react to it half the time. The back page is uh, Julius declares war on fans. It's no war on fans. He, he, a lot of people are talking about, you know, a lot of people talk about Randall. Randall said something back finally, right? It's not a war on fans. He didn't say nothing bad about him. He just said, shut the fuck up. Totally, totally rational response in a game where, where you're playing well in the second half. So to me, it, it, for us as fans, you just got to keep moving. Yeah, okay. As a collective fan base, yeah, okay. We probably overreacted. Okay. You're right. You're playing well now. So, I mean, what do you want us to do? That's it. Keep it moving. It's that simple. Really is that simple. It's not even over everybody. I see Knicks fans crying too. Oh, it's going to overshadow the RJ. It's not overshadowing anything. Everybody's still talking mm-hmm. about RJ Barrett and his, and his amazing shot on Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum has an unfortunate time with clutch situations at MSG. It appears uh, between the first game with RJ Barrett locking him up and then RJ doing it in this game and an otherwise stinky game from him. Just a, just a delight. You know, i love to see, just a quick pivot, but love to see RJ being relentless in that aspect. You know, just, again, it was a bank shot. It was a heave. I'm not going to say it wasn't luck or whatever, but, like, you know, you still got to make the shot. But, like, yeah, it was a difficult shot. It went in. A lot of times it doesn't for us, and I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, sometimes you need to see the ball go in in a big moment like that. And he's a guy who runs on a lot of confidence. And just same, th- same thing we said about Fournier, you know, starting to get going after a big moment. Maybe this helps RJ. You know, he was rolling a couple games before this, had a bad first half, really couldn't put the ball through the hoop, throw anything up that was a clean look. And you get a big shot like this to fall, yeah, maybe next game this is going to help you. We're playing Boston again, so hopefully – all right, man, I, I, I'm not going to go back into the pain on Robert Williams. Let me try to think about <laughs> this a different way. So, I mean, we'll see what he does. But I, it was a good moment for him. And, they, and, you know, everybody really looked jubilant and happy after the game when he hit it, so including Tibbs. T- Tim's uh, arms straight up, quickly running off the court. I mean, really just a, a hell of a moment, man.
0: I, I was happy it for was, RJ. He needed it. He needed it. He deserved it. It was an incredible moment. I really don't believe I've ever screamed that loudly in my life. Like, it, and it was crazy because, I mean, first of all, uh, RJ had a, he really struggled all night, as we've all said. Um, but, you know, he just he did a really good job defensively when he was on Tatum for the most part. Uh, a lot of Tatum scoring came when RJ wasn't on him. So when RJ was on him, he did a really good job on and off the ball. He stayed involved with that. Um, but just the poise he showed down the stretch, you know, and to be able to do that, uh, he made he made a really big, like, as we recall, the fourth quarter plays, like, down the stretch, I feel like one that's getting left out, he made the drive. Uh, he attacked the basket and drew the defense and kicked it out to Fournier for one of the threes The Fournier hit. And it was a really big three. And then he got the lob to Mitch. Then he saved the ball and went baseline and got the kick out to quick. Those are three huge assists down the stretch of the game. And then he had to play where he pulled out Robert Williams, attacked the basket, got to the line. Uh, only they one of the free throws, but got to the line, made it. got us a point. Um, you know, and that's just big that he's able to come, come up big like that on an off night. And, you know, shout out to Tibbs for drawing that play up for him. Excuse me. And for trusting him at that moment for having the creativity not to go to the guy everyone's going to expect him to, because honestly, like I, I, as they walked out of the huddle, I saw RJ kind of hanging back with Tibbs and they were talking and I was like, okay, RJ is the trigger man. Like he's going to be inbounding, um, you know, so hopefully he makes a good decision. He'll probably try to it'll probably be Julius setting the screen for Fournier, and then we'll make a decision on which one is open and try to get it to him. And then I saw Alec Burks inbounding and I was like, oh wait, this is a play for RJ. And you know, with the way it happened and he came to the ball Tatum was there. He's falling out of bounds. And just for, for whatever, I have no idea why, but for whatever reason, as it left his hand, I felt like it was good. And I was just looking at it like, yo, that might, and then it dropped. And I really lost my mind. Like I think I'm still recovering from how I was screaming. I didn't, I, I, I walked around my room feverishly for like 35 minutes. Uh, I felt like I was going to bounce off the walls like, we did the post-game space. After that, I was like, yo, I'm so charged up. Like, I still feel like – so then we did post-game prosperity afterward. And we're here talking about it now. It was just a great moment, man. Like, a game-winner, national TV against – like, we're going to remember that forever. Like, as they say that, you know, it was the first one since uh 2012, the J.R. Smith against the Suns. I remember that. I remember when J.R. Smith hit two game winners from essentially the same spot against the Bobcats and the Suns, you know? Now this is RJ's first game winner. Like I, we're gonna remember. I still remember his uh, bank over PJ Tucker. Like uh, all of that matters, all of that counts. That was a huge night. And even like you said, for his confidence, I feel like he's gonna do a lot for his confidence. Even on an off night, he's able to come up big like that. You know, that's a clutch time. Big time players man, big time plays. I mean, I've got game winners from like fifth grade, middle school, high school that made me make me feel like a better person as a twenty seven year old when I think about him right now. So I can only imagine like what that's going to do for him, you know, going forward this season and, you know, getting getting into a rhythm. And, you know, even a game, you know, he's been, he was playing pretty well before COVID. He came back from COVID struggled a little bit, started playing well again. And even an off night now can be part of his positive momentum. And that's great. Like, you know, it was a rough night all night, and he closed it out really well, and this is one of the best nights of his career, I'm sure, and it adds to the positive momentum and hopefully he gets further into a rhythm, the confidence gets even higher, and he bounces back and shoots well from the floor on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, uh, one one quick thing, too, I definitely wanted to point out. I know you wanted to talk about Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson... (laughs) Mitchell Robinson's been really good now in the last three-ish, four-ish weeks. I mean, pretty much since he got benched, uh, I'm not saying, like, the bench was solely responsible, but, it, you know, he got in better shape since then, too, is the, the other part of it. But he's been playing really, really well. Some really important moments for him these last couple weeks, and he's just been coming up big in general. Like, he, he's starting to look, really look like himself the way that we were hoping.
0: It's beautiful. I mean, his activity level is high. Uh, like you said, he's just way better conditioned. Um, I mean, and a lot of it probably doesn't show up in the box score, but Mitch had an impact on so many plays down the stretch last night. I don't think we win that game last night without Mitchell Robinson. I mean, he was making it. Whether it was grabbing a rebound, whether it was aggressively going after a rebound or a loose ball, uh, he got us a couple extra possessions. He he got a couple helped us on a couple big stops. You know, um, the shorter play where Emmanuel quickly, who's been an excellent defender all season, uh, did a good job. And the Mitch came over with the help and got the steal. Uh, there was a play on the baseline where, honestly, it might have been off Mitch, to be honest, but the Celtics didn't challenge. I was really happy about it. Uh, but, yeah, he was just really active. His activity level was very high, and it's been very high lately. He's been doing a great job in the paint, being around the basket, being available. He caught the lob from RJ. Um, you know, like, he's really just been – he's been huge. And with him playing that well, we are a much better basketball team. Like it's undeniable.
1: Yeah. he's Like this is, this is what we kind of wanted, you know, we wanted him to be more active. Mitch, Mitch is going to be as good as he is active basically because he's, I keep going back to like two years ago with him. Like that's what I keep kind of remembering with, with, with you know, when he kind of burst into the scene with how, Fast he was recovering and getting to spots and closing out on guys and you beat him off the dribble you get behind him you spin him around he still finds a way to catch up to you and block the shot like that's kind of what I'm starting to see a little bit more of out of him again and it's sort of him just reacting the right way and taking advantage you know of his instincts the right way and making the most out of it and he's he's doing that again it doesn't look like he's like overthinking and kind of lumbering around it actually just looks like he's like I got beat I know exactly which spot to get to. I'm I'm a black that shit. I, I got, I got a little bit of space. I'm rolling to the rim. Someone's going to throw the ball up. Like, it's just, he's got to play a simplified game where he's just running off his instincts and his body can keep up with him. And it seems like now we're starting to get to that point. He's been really, really good. Like you said, I don't think we win that game without him. I I agree last night. I thought he was, you know, tremendous uh, at doing his job and, you know, not everything he does is always going to show up on the box score. You know, he played almost 30 minutes, seven points, four rebounds, two steals, you know, a couple turnovers. You would look at that and think, you know, whatever, you know, he didn't play that great of a game. If you're box score watching, if you watch the game, he changes the way guys get into the paint. We knew our interior defense for all the defensive woes. the interior defense has been pretty good. Most of the season, Um, you know, it's really been the point of attack. That's been the issue and the three point closing out, but it's been, even better now with this version of Mitchell Robinson. And if, you know, of course this team's going to go as Julius goes, as RJ goes, but they're also going to go if Mitch can have that special defensive gear. And if he has that the rest of the season, we might be in pretty good shape. So that was really good. And then, yeah, like the quick thing you talked about too, I don't want to, we have too many, it feels like too many conversations about who should start, who, what, who's got to flip into the starting lineup and, It feels a little bit tiring at times, but the quickly point guard debate is never ending. And I just feel like. Burks is best off of the bench And for all this talk about quickly being best off of the bench. And I really, Alec Burks has done a tremendous job this season, but for all the talk about, you know, quickly being great off the bench and quickly can only play with Derrick Rose and quickly is not a point guard. I think we kind of forget. And the second half showed it yesterday. Like Julius and uh, RJ set up a lot of the offense. They find a lot of these guys that are open. They can handle the bulk of the playmaking. If really you're going to use them like you did in the indie game, I'm not saying for the the combined 62 points they scored even, but for just the way that they had the ball in their hands, they're running meaningful actions off the pick and rolls, the spread PNRs, uh, Julius doing his handoffs, his given goes. They had they were finding guys wide open left and right, and they were even doing it again last night. And in that instance, you don't need. I mean, it's 2021. I can't believe how many times we got to repeat this, but you don't need, you know, pure point guard Emmanuel quickly to come out and dribble the air out of the ball and, you know, find all the direct assists. And that's not the game anymore. You know, you could be a scoring point guard and play off of those guys. And they've needed that since last season. They've needed a guy who could be a release valve. Fournier really hasn't been a good release valve for them. Uh, last year, Reggie wasn't a high volume enough release valve for them, a guy who could create enough. And yet, you still have the guy who could play a guard position who can do those things, and he sits on the bench too often. I think it really is as simple as, you know, Quick should start at the one. I I think it's that simple, and I think you could even leave Fournier. I wouldn't, but you could leave Fournier in the lineup, and it still makes more sense to have Quick and Fournier playing off of what Randall and RJ do. I think if those guys are really your your options three and four in the starting group and Mitch just kind of cleans up the mess, I think that is a more sensical and balanced, you know, balanced lineup. I think they, it's a little bit getting too cute putting Burks in the starters because you want him to play make, but RJ could also play make. And then, you know, they're kind of hit or miss with it, with their scoring some nights. And I think with quick, it's just a more direct approach. He's kind of getting into the paint. He wants to score. He's going to pull up those threes and he doesn't not pass the ball either. He loves to throw those lobs. He loves to find guys once he gets into the paint. So. I would like to see, I would like to get him, let him see, you know, a real opportunity, but it seems like Tibbs is destined to never play him at, at the one in the starting group. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, like, you know, no Kemba, no Rose, like Emmanuel quickly should be able to start a point guard. And I, I feel like we're at the point now where it just needs to happen. I mean, he plays so well in every game that he ends up closing almost every night. No matter who he's kicking out of the closing lineup, whether he's kicking Burks out, whether he's kicking Fournier out, whether he's kicking Kemba out, whether he's kicking RJ out, he ends up out there many a night. And it's because he gives us so much on both ends of the floor. I mean, he's played great defense on and off ball all year. Not enough is being said about it. We're going to be loud about it as we can. Like, he's been great defensively uh and then like you can't go into screens with him and he gives you like that actual element of point guard play yeah he can be a scoring point guard that plays off of julius and rj but i feel like he also right now is our best option for an actual point guard an actual creator like somebody to you know run the offense i mean he's he does he's doing a really good job operating on screens um you can't go under the screen as he showed last night you can't go under it if you go under it he's going to toast you so the fact that teams can't go under it, they got to go over those screens. It allows him to get into the paint a lot. He was in the he, he got into the paint a lot. He breaks the defense down. He's you know using that in and out, getting in there, hesitation. Um, you know, he, sometimes he break gets in there in circles, but even getting into the paint and circling, kicking it out somewhere is really good as in, like that. You want that. Like some people were like, Oh, he's just making so. like no, that that they the same things that Steve Nash was praised for, they mattered Emmanuel quickly floor. No, all of a sudden it's not point guard play anymore. No, he's doing a great job at that. Uh, he's he's looking for guys, he's setting guys up. Teams have to respect him coming off that screen. Uh, he's confident in that floater. He's I I don't I, I don't see a reason not to start him and play him as many minutes as you can. I feel like he deserves that. I feel like he's deserved that for quite some time now. But I mean, at this point, no Rose, no Kemba. He's playing really well, both ends of the floor on a consistent basis. Honestly, he's been very consistent lately. Uh, He hasn't been like a 30 point scorer on a nightly basis, but you just you know what you're getting from quick, even on nights where his jumper is not falling. He's been a great guy for us. So it just doesn't make any sense. I, I would hope that we do that. I think it'll make us better. And yeah, I don't think you do Alec Burks any favors by making him a starting point guard. Um, so if we can allow him to be in the role that's best for him, I think I think you you said it. Ali Brooks was one for ten last night. It's because he can't just focus on what he's supposed to be focusing on. He's like you know, and it, it's not it's not the best situation for him. Um, So let him go back to doing what he was doing so well, what he does so well, and let quickly play point guard, bro. Give him a chance. I mean, I feel like I'm more confident in New York Knicks basketball when Emmanuel quickly is on the floor. Yeah,
1: look, you, you need to have that sort of game breaker I keep using that word with quickly because that's how I feel about his offense you need to have that sort of game breaker that sort of bending defensive bending offensive player that sort of dynamic level because like you said about when he runs in circles I feel like again people are stuck in like what a traditional basketball game in their minds is supposed to be played like and not like watching what's happening in front of them like when he does that Guys are chasing him because they're terrified. They know he's going to hit the floater. They know he can hit those little bank shots. He doesn't ever really get to the rim, weirdly, for like layups, but he always finds a way to like score from just outside the paint or a little bit further in the paint from distance. So guys are scared of him because they know he's throwing the lob. He's throwing the floater. He's throwing that little bank shot. And if not, he usually runs back out for some sort of a three. So defenses chase him. So when he runs in those circles, they are literally chasing him. If you're watching, it fucks up their scheme because. Somebody has to go run after him. And it's usually one or two guys because he runs between guys a lot. So he gets between two guys, and all of a sudden he's got one guy kind of half chases, another guy's full on chasing him, and all of a sudden things change. Guys get open. Like we've seen how many times has Mitch had a free run to the basket where quickly throws him a lot because guys are terrified quickly. Like it happens a lot. And I think if you know you reacted to that in your schemes a little bit more intentionally. I think things will go a little bit better for you. I think you need to have that sort of chaotic element in an offensive player sometimes because, you know, as good as Julius is, it gets a little redundant when you do the handoffs a thousand times a game and, you know, the little rub screen. Like, you got you to gotta switch it up. And Quickly is that kind of guy who comes in and gives you that sort of uh, improvisational element where it doesn't even look like he knows what he's going to do all the time as we saw by that Indiana step back three. You kind of need a guy like that who's just going to bring chaos, like that J.R. Smith element of just like something's going to happen when I'm on the court. Like, I don't know what, but something's going to happen. And I feel like you need that in the starting group, you know, and then let Burks be his best self off the bench. He could guide that second unit with his eyes closed. We've seen it a thousand times. He's always better when he comes off the bench. He's had a couple of real big games when he started. To be clear, he hasn't only stunk it up. He just – it's more hit or miss when he's with the starting group versus the consistency that we've seen in the bench unit. But – Quickly could do a good job. I just think at some point you got to let him get a little bit more rope. I'm not trying to belabor the whole play the youth thing. I I don't think it's a full-on issue like that. I just think Quickly specifically solves a lot of the problems that this team tends to have on the offensive side of the basketball. And he plays good defense. I feel like we, we need to say this every pod. You do especially, Sean, but he plays good defense. He just does.
0: He's everywhere. He's where he's supposed to be. He's making the deflections. He's got his hands in the passing lanes. He made a he made a deflection last night. Like he poked it out from like the, a cross court pass, and like chased it down all the way across the court. And I was just like, "Yo, this is crazy." And I feel like he did that more than one time last night. He's just really active. Like his energy level adds to, like gives us so much. Sometimes we look dead. We rarely look dead with Emmanuel Quickly on the floor because he's rarely dead. Like he's got energy. He's, go- he's gonna give you energy on both sides of the ball. And I feel like he even the bucket he got last night, it was like, you know, they were saying uh, the announcer was like, oh, it was a chaotic possession. And all of a sudden he gets the ball. His man was in front of him when he called the ball. It's not like he called it and he was open and got a lucky layup. His man was in front of him. RJ kicked it out. He took one step and he was at he was right there in position to get that floater off the glass. That's a that's a bucket like that's a legitimate bucket. It may not get enough attention because so much else happened in the game, but that is a legitimate bucket that was the go-ahead basket for us. And in a crucial time with the shot clock winding down, I believe. And it's just like that you got to have that gone on the floor as much as possible. There's no reason not to, especially right now. So with the win last night, the Knicks moved back into
1: second place. They're 19 and 20 on the year. Uh, I mean, they're really, you know, for all the the doom and gloom of this season so far, they are, Literally a game out of being in in seventh place, you know what I mean. Then they're two and a half, three games out from the five, six seed. Which coming into this year, we I felt strongly that they'd be firmly in the four to eight seed range. So like, they pretty much are there still at the lower end of it, and it doesn't feel great. I get that, but they're still right there, and there's a lot of basketball play uh, left to be played. So they can do some stuff. And thankfully for Evan Fournier and for us, we happen to be playing the hapless Celtics again tomorrow. So I'm personally very happy about this stretch of scheduling. Uh, I don't know why they're allowing us to play the Celtics twice when we seemingly have their number to some degree, but, um, or at least Fournier does, which is the one (laughs) wild card we need to have work out for us if we're going to swing games. But uh, I mean, what are you expecting at least tomorrow? Because me personally, I would love to think that the Celtics are deflated and a little bit defeated, uh, especially after those post-game comments from their head coach last night. Uh, there was a lot of weeping. It was a lot It was a lot of tears from the Celtics locker room last night after they felt they had that game in hand. Um, I mean, I just want to find the comments specifically because they were really rather delicious. Uh, <laughs> here it is. So. Their head coach said they lacked mental toughness and that they get rattled in late-game situations, so they have to settle down and execute better in, in those moments. And then Bob Williams was out there complaining. It was too loud in MSG. We couldn't hear anything. Uh, I would like to think that if professionals are complaining about this stuff, that they're going to be – you don't got a lot of time to recover, buddy. You're just getting right back to it on Saturday, and you got to play the same team. And for some reason, 48 strikes fear into their hearts. So I would like to think we got the right where we want personally
0: i would like i would like to think that as well i mean it's gonna take i mean in their game coming into this one i tweeted after i saw Jalen brown get the steal and go miss the layup and they missed the tip in and lost the game i was like wow i really love to see the celtics fail so for them to be on national tv against us up 25 and lose the game on rj game winner is so poetic with 48 dropping 41 on their heads so yeah they're gonna come out they're gonna be fired up they're gonna want to get back from this but i feel like if we're able to come out and punch them in the mouths early on Saturday, then we'll, we'll really have that game at hand. I feel like we can come out and rip their hearts out early and, you know, like stomp on them. Cause they're, they're, you know, they're that, they're the kid they're, they're going to come out like the kid who's not that tough, but he's been beat up a couple of times. So he's like trying to seem like he's tough. So he doesn't get beat up. Nah, punch him in his mouth, punch him in his mouth and then keep beating him up. And you're going to see that he's the kid who couldn't fight back the last three times either. Look, 100%. If they win this game, they're back at 20 and 20 through 40 games,
1: right at 500, and then you got 42 games left to make some shit shake and and really find a way to get, get into that playoff spot. Now, it's going to be tough. Cleveland was the big surprise jump team of this season, but they're only 21 and 17, as good as they've been. They're still just a few games over 500. Toronto's a game over 500 at 18 and 17, as much as, uh, you know, Fred VanVleet, a.k.a. myself, has been having an all-star season and balling out of his mind. Uh, the Hornets, as good and fun and surprising as they are, the 8th seed at only 20 and 19. So it's really not that bad. They just got to gotta tighten up. Every, every 500 team is probably saying the same thing. You know, we're right here. We got to tighten up. But, like, you know, the Knicks truly, you were the four seed last year. You, find a way, you found a way in the second half to finish strong and, and sort of cement an identity and and kind of get there so I I would expect that this season I look same thing I said you at the beginning of the season Sean a lot of people were predicting 50 wins a lot of people were predicting top three all this nonsense I thought was a little bit too much jumping the gun all I kept saying was my, my 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 Miami Heat comparison I said just be like the Heat I don't care how you guys do it I don't care just get to the playoffs year after year right now you start stringing together playoff appearances I can live with that in the in the Short term, in the beginning term, it doesn't need to be, oh, we got to the four seed last year and we didn't really make any big, big moves. So, you know, even though we think we improved a little bit, that means 50 wins in the third seed. And and once we get that, that means the next year should be a top one to two seed with 55. This isn't 2K. It doesn't work that way. But right now, with the guys that you have, given you brought back mostly the same team. Yeah. okay, then you should mostly get the same results and you should find a way to get back into the playoffs. If you don't get back into the playoffs, to me, that's that's embarrassing. But you should find a way to get there. It could be the eighth seed right now. It could be the seventh seed. If you find a way to get back in two years in a row, that's a big deal. Like, no matter what, it could be another first-round exit. Nobody wants to hear that, including me. But you just got to find a way to get there. So there's time to do that. It's not doom and gloom. You're almost 500. Hopefully you get back there tomorrow. But, like, just get back to the playoffs. Like, really, that's all you got to do. Because that's how things work out for the Heat. They never have assets. They never have. They never have picks to use. They never have cap space. But they keep finding a way to make little moves and tweaks. And they always end up playing in the playoffs every single season. To me, that we have stuff that we could make moves with. You know what I mean? We do. Mm -hmm. So whether you do or you don't make those moves right now, you still have enough to make the playoffs. You just got to find a way to get there. That's it. That's all I'm hoping for,
0: really. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, the, the goal goes back to what it was for most of last season get a top six seed, get that five or six seed right now. Like we're a couple of games behind five or six. I would like to be in th- I would like to avoid the play-in just to guarantee that we make the playoffs. Like, so, you know, you do what you can to avoid the play-in. There's a lot of going on in Eastern Conference right now from four to about 11 is separated by a couple of games. So win as many as we can, keep our heads down, focus the same way we did last year. Like we don't even really have to look around the rest of the standings. We just got to take care of what's on our plate. And right now we've got a nice little slate of games where we can run something off and put something together and build some momentum and give ourselves a little bit of a cushion over 500. Right now it's looking like 500 basketball gets you at the very least into the playing. And so if we want to avoid the play or at least make sure we at least make the play and play at over 500 basketball. And if we get to 500 tomorrow, the only thing we have to do for the rest of the year is play over 500 basketball. And we've played 500 basketball all year and been pissed off. So if we can play a little bit better than 500, we'd be slightly above average. We can finish this season very well. And like you said, yeah, like I have 50 wins aspirations. Um, If we get to 500 tomorrow, I mean, we have to go 30 and 12 to win 50 games. That's not very realistic. That would be a very fun ride. Um, But it's not very realistic. But, yeah, at the end of the day, get back into the playoffs. Get back into the playoffs. Give, give yourselves a shot. Give yourselves a shot. Um, I don't fear. Too many teams in Eastern Conference, especially if we round things out and are playing the basketball, we're capable of playing like the team we are by the time playoff time gets here is hopefully a better version of the team we can be. Um, So uh, I don't fear. I mean, I I would rather not play the Nets, but I don't fear them, but I'd rather avoid them. Uh, I'd rather avoid the Bucs, but I also don't fear them. And I have absolutely no fear of Chicago. Like, I would love, I would, I would, I want all the smoke in a seven game series. That you, you,
1: you've you been doing this with Chicago all year. I don't, I truly don't get it. This is the only thing I think you and I have disagreed on this entire, I'm not even trying to have the big old debate, but like, they, stri- they strike a little bit of fear into my heart for being honest, because those, those two guys, DeRozan, uh, Lonzo, and uh, Levine, obviously, like, they torch guys at the point of attack with a variety of moves or just their speed. And we have no point of attack. And I would prefer to not have to deal with those guys. They, they do. I'm not, you know, of all the teams, even with Brooklyn, I agree with you because we played Brooklyn really well last year and this year with Kyrie without Kyrie. We always seem to play them really, really well. We match up really well. Randall seems to play really well against them. They have a difficult time with him. You know, we haven't won every game per se, but they've been pretty exciting, close games, which is all you can really ask for. You want to play those guys real well,
0: given the talent level, but, of all it's of been the, the same for Chicago, though. That's how I feel. The first game we beat them, you, we had a you were right. we had a sizable lead, and then we ended up winning by one. The second game we lost in a close one in Chicago, and that I feel like we were kind and we everybody was off that game. It was like, what can we do? And then the third game in in New York, we we were destroyed by the refs all game. That was that game where Todd Gibson got ejected like 15 seconds into the game off <laughs> two bad double screen, uh, yeah, offensive screen calls. And, you know, so we were getting robbed by the rest all game and we played the pick and pop horribly the entire night and had a chance to win the game. Uh, that Derrick Rose, 3 didn't did didn't go in, was soul crushing. Probably the only reason we lost that game. I mean, down the stretch, not, not saying it's his fault or anything like that, but, like, that was a very winnable game. So it's like, the reason they don't, I mean, you're right. Like, DeRozan, Levine, those are two guys you don't really want to have to deal with in the playoffs, especially down the stretch. Uh, Vooch is not ideal because we seem to struggle with pick and pop bigs. But at the end of the day, like we haven't been anywhere near the best version of ourselves that we can be. And we've been able to compete with them very consistently. We've matched up with them pretty well. And remember, in that third game, we came really close. RJ didn't even play. And the two games where RJ did play, Levine shot 30%. And then he killed yep. us in that third game. So I don't, I'm not really afraid of Chicago at all. I mean, I'm not saying, oh, give me Chicago in the first round. Like, but uh, if I, I wouldn't be afraid, I'd be ready for that. So I, I want to leave everybody on this last note.
1: Um, so we've won five of our last seven games, by the way. So the beginning of that, with that little win streak, was a little bit ugly. It was a very ugly win streak, but as I often say, a win is a win is a win is a win. It counts. So five of the last seven, and I, I just want a brief rundown because, you know, you mentioned the the softer schedule coming up. We play Boston again tomorrow. We know. Fuck Boston. That's the that's W. As far as I'm concerned in my brain at this moment in time, I'm going to finally give myself the ability to be a little bit confident, at least for today. But then they play the Spurs at home. They play Dallas at home, two teams that aren't really playing all that well this season, all things considered. Um, and also, Julius just owns the Mavericks franchise. Every Each guy in this team seems to own a particular franchise. RJ, the Pacers, Fournier, the Celtics. The Mavericks definitely belong to Julius Randle. But, um, you know, we play the Hawks again. We've beaten the Hawks twice this year, um, once without Trey, once with Trey in Atlanta. We're going back to Atlanta. I'm not saying it's an easy game, but it's a winnable game for sure. You play Charlotte after that at home. You play Minnesota at home. You play the Pelicans at home. You play the Clippers, who right now don't have Paul George or Kawhi, and you're playing them at the Garden. And then you close the month out at Cleveland, at Miami, at Milwaukee, and then the last game of the month is in New York against the Kings. How do you feel about this month? Because I think this is – like, they got to
0: take advantage of the rest of this month. They have to, this month is food. This month is food. And that's why that three game win streak is painful. Like as painful as some of them were to watch, it matters. It counts. Oh, win when is a win? Like you said, we won five of our last seven, regardless of how think about it. We've those two that we lost were horrible. It felt terrible. It was like, Oh my goodness. But we've won five of our last seven. Most of our guys have already got COVID. So we're in pretty good shape. And in terms of that, we should be able to build some consistency now gel together We've got a friendly part of the schedule. I mean, by the end of January, we should be no less than three games over 500. And I feel like that's very realistic. That's not a whole lot to ask for. We should be no less than three games over 500 by the end of January. And like we said, 500 gets you into the play in at the very least, I feel like three games over 500 has you in about the fifth or sixth slot by by the way things are looking right now. We could like, but I don't even want to worry about what seed we are. I just want to worry about what our record is. But I feel like by the end of January, by those games you just said, In my optimistic mind, this is more than three games over 500. I think we can run off a few right now, but let's, you know, I'm going to temper my expectations. I think three games over 500 should be the goal by the end of January. I I, It's my thoughts exactly, Sean. My thoughts exactly. I'm not expecting, you know, with some
1: wild 10-game win streak here, but you're going to lose some of these games for sure. You've been a 500 team this year for sure. You're going to lose, you know, a decent amount of these, right? But find a way to just win those extra couple. That's it. You got to find it's like you said there's been some real close games, you know, we lost the one nets game on a James Johnson bucket, right? Uh I mean disgusting, but it is what it is. You, you know, the the Derrick Rose three they didn't fall. Like a couple shots go in and this season feels even a little bit different, right? Even despite guys struggling for different reasons. So Some of this, like last night, we finally got a a big three to drop in a clutch moment. Okay, well, find a way to keep winning in these clutch moments. Find a way to not go down 20 and just close out and we probably be in pretty decent decent shape here. So two, three games over 500 for sure. You just got to find a way to close out with a winning record. You go into February with a winning record, you got two months left to go as you tighten up for the playoffs and you're in a pretty prime position. Not to contend per se, but at least to just make the playoffs and hopefully avoid that goddamn play. I want no We deal with enough stress in our life. We do not need to deal with the New York Knicks at a play-in game. It may well happen, given how the context of the season has gone, but under no circumstances does anybody want that situation. At all. At all. So we're going to leave you guys on that note, but uh, appreciate you guys rocking with us, especially everybody who came to the spaces last night. We're going to be doing more of those post-game the rest of the season. Um, obviously, everybody that always tunes in for Sean's post-game prosperities or pouting, but thankfully last night was prosperity. Uh, that was a lot of fun uh, just in general. Uh, there, there's nothing like covering the next game on social media, on Twitter during a, a, a big comeback, uh, a big fun win like that ended up being last night. And uh, it makes it even better when there's just thousands and thousands and thousands of you just ready to interact with us, ready to you know comment, quote, tweet reply, DM us a thousand times your thoughts, uh, jump in the spaces and talk your shit a little bit. Uh, That's what we want. That's this community that we've built up and we love that we get to share it with you guys and you guys feel such a big part of it. And, you know, you are. And uh, just, you know, spaces, you know, hopped in spaces last night just reminded me of that. So I just wanted to, you know, drop on that note. You know, really, we always love hearing what you guys got to say all the time. We we love chopping it up with you guys all the time. Uh, But, you know, as much as we push back on some of the silly fandom that we see, Uh, at least TKW faithful generally have been some of the smarter, more rational people. And that's why we exist. We feel like we try to give you the best objective takes that we can. And most of you guys that come in here kind of respect the conversations and respect the the approach the same way. So we we love chopping it up with you guys like that and just keep following the next wall, keep going to the dot com. you know, read and, you know, the writing staff, put a lot of work, a lot of effort into those articles to get you every game and, uh, make sure you yeah, make sure you keep, you know, check it out. The nextball.com Make sure you keep reading those articles. You know, uh, you feel like we're the best in the biz there. Uh, keep listening to this podcast. Give us a nice five-star rating and review. Uh, we, you guys always tend to support the merch, which is great too. Uh, hopefully, you know, I know when, uh, when I win it, it's a little bit harder for you guys to want to buy some stuff. That's of course, I understand. I, I, would, I feel the same way, but you know, hopefully we get some wins. We can start bringing a little bit more heat for you guys to, to want to buy some stuff. But, um, appreciate everybody once again supporting over the holidays and a lot of you guys are buying shirts and things and I appreciate your patience as we had some of those uh work not workflow but those shipping issues that plagued seemingly a lot of the country so I know you guys were asking about your orders and things like that hopefully you guys got everything and if you did not for some reason make sure you contact us shoot us a dm we'll get that right we'll get that situated for you so on that note We will talk to you guys next time, hopefully on the other side of a Boston Smackdown once again. And uh, let's go Knicks. Let's go Knicks. Catch you guys later. Take it easy. Adios.